Before we get into the episode, we want to let you know we are gathering another Attaching to God learning cohort. In it, you will escape your anxious jungles and avoiding deserts of faith and grow into secure attachment with God and with others. This is a one-of-a-kind six-week cohort combining recorded teachings and live cohort calls. So you can get all the details at embodiedfaith.life slash learning dash cohorts or see the show notes for details after the description. Hey, welcome back to the Embodied Faith Podcast. Today we're talking about why does sometimes God feel far away, even when we feel like we're doing the right religious things? Why are some of us stuck in our heads when it comes to our spiritual life? And maybe sometimes we feel like others are stuck in their hearts and things like that. Maybe this has to do with differences in our attachment style. That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about being attached to God. As always, I'm Jeff Holsklaw, and this is the Embodied Faith Podcast, seeking to integrate neuroscience, spiritual formation, and faith. And we're brought to you by Grassroots Christianity, which is growing faith for everyday people. Today's guest is Crispin Mayfield. He has a background in full-time ministry and is now in private practice as a licensed professional counselor in Oregon. He's trained in attachment-based emotional, emotionally-focused therapy, and he's served over 10 years in trauma recovery programs. And he is a writer, a podcaster, a speaker, and he explores all things relating to faith and um, psychology. And he wrote a new book called Attached to God, a Practical Guide to Deeper Spiritual Experience. Crispin, welcome to the show. Thanks for being on today. Good morning. So glad to be here. Yeah, well, I'm really excited about this topic. This is something that's uh, yeah, really central to kind of my own life and exploration and why I started this podcast uh, in the first place. But let's hear just a little bit about your history. Uh, you have some history in ministry, but then you shifted and became uh, a counselor. Uh, can you mm-hmm. just kind of tell us a little bit about that and uh, kind of how you were led in those things? Yeah, I started out um, in Bible college uh, in going towards pastoral ministry. And then um, after my first year, I had to take that preaching class. And I was like, wait a minute, I got to like stand up in front of people. This is not for me. (laughs) And so made the shift to psychology and then with the intention of going on to get my master's in counseling. Um, But I finished that. And then my wife and I went into full-time ministry in Minneapolis with a sort of grassroots organization um, engaging in communities there. And um, that was really formative for me because we were looking at um, what is the good news for people that are marginalized. And mm. um, I think that uh, something I haven't even talked about a lot, but um, that's where some of this book was formed because um, what does it mean for um, the person that has, uh, you know, is like experiencing chronic addiction and mm. what they've been told over and over is like, it, you know, you, you're welcome to come here. You're welcome to come into the church. All you got to do is get clean and then you can walk with God. Mm. <laughs> and what's it mean for that person that feels like I can't, get clean. Like I don't have, like, I, I just know that I'm going to keep going back to this. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so that really formed a lot of my um, theology and thinking about God and um, and reading scripture. How do we see, like, obvious, it's obvious to me that God is always caring for those that are marginalized and thinking about the ways that our theology um, can further marginalize people and push them out. And, mm. um, and I don't think that's unique to um, people in that are living in a low income neighborhood. I think that there are lots of people in the church that are, you know, sitting in the back pews that are struggling with, you know, depression or anxiety or trauma and feeling like, all right, like I, this is promising, you know, hope and peace and compassion, but it just feels like I'm not getting it right. Something here isn't connecting. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of people can, connect with that, that idea that like, they know that they're supposed to have more hope, peace, love and faith in their life. And they just can't like make themselves feel that way. And I think that's a, a product of a lot of our kind of Western left brain discipleship, more mm-hmm. information, you know, mm-hmm. just sit, sit and pray and read the Bible and all these sin problems will go away. But I think, uh, you know, the reason why, you know, you and myself and a lot of others are diving into like brain science, neuroscience, psychology is to be like, well, Maybe there's discipleship tools that um, we're neglecting. Uh, and so that helped you kind of shift into counseling that led you mm-hmm. there eventually. Is that right? And now yeah. you're... Okay, go ahead. So how how did that shift come about then? Yeah. Um, I After spending three years in Minneapolis, I was able to get licensed while I was there um, just through some community, mostly community volunteering. Um, so that was on the back burner. And then when I moved to Portland, I've actually been at an ADHD clinic for the last six years, um, been practicing, been in private, private practice-ish settings um, for seven. And um and then during that time, I got trained in emotionally focused therapy, which is an attachment based therapy for couples. And that really shaped the way that I do therapy and really understanding a lot of um, connection and closeness. And, and when we don't feel close, what's going on? Because that's what couples come in for, right? They're like, all right, like we're, you know, we have this relationship, um, but it's not going the way that we were hoping. And so, um, I just took the immense wisdom from that community and, and thought like, well, you know, what if we take this to attachment with God? And I should also mention that there is um, not only is there a ton of research around attachment in general, there is a ton of attachment or a a ton of research around attachment in God. So this isn't me just saying like, Oh, this feels like a metaphor or an analogy Um, We actually know that our brains respond to relationship with God in a very similar way that they respond to a partner or to our parents, those sorts of things. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's just a a mountain of kind of empirical research. Um, In an earlier episode of the podcast, we actually had Todd Hall, and he has done quite a bit of of research. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to have him back on. Oh, yeah. I'm going (laughs) to I'm going to have him back on just to talk about attachment. We were just talking about spirituality in general. Uh, and Richard Beck has done a couple of things too. And he was on uh, last season. Well, okay. Side note, sidebar. Uh, you mentioned being in an ADHD clinic. And I have some people who you know email me uh, kind of about the things we talk about in this podcast and then ask like, how, how does this 
work for like ADHD kind of people and ADHD spirituality. So maybe we should have another episode later about like non-neurotypical like spiritualities uh, and things like that, which we'll be covering I would love a that. Now. Yeah. I'm learning a lot about neuro like even broader neurodivergence. Um right. In 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 my family there's are some folks with autism and so um, that are autistic is what we would say. Uh, so that would be a fun conversation, but we'll come back to that later. Okay, well, <laughs> I, I wrote it down. We'll put a pin on it so we could talk about the neurodivergence spirituality, but let's get back to attachment then. So, so yeah, so um, yeah, there's this amount of kind of literature about these types of things. And especially in the Christian or Judeo Christian kind of traditions where God is a very personal and involved God, mm-hmm. it does make sense to speak think of an attachment relationship with God, but could you kind of roll it all the way back to the beginning? What does it mean to have an attachment relationship, this thing called attachment theory or attachment science? Like what, what kind of bring it to the basics? What is this? Yeah. So even before you get to attachment styles, which a lot of people know about, we really want to start with this idea that we have this core drive to connect with another person, which, uh, you know, sounds profound and, um, and really fits with, uh, Trinitarian theology that says, you know, God created us for a relationship. God is in relationship with God's self. Um, but another way of putting it is like, we are herd creatures. <laughs> we have this instinct uh, to connect and that's how we feel safe and that's how we feel healthy. And so as humans, we need at least one other person that we really connect with and feel bonded to. And so we have this drive, this drive for bonding, for emotional connection. And that drive is um, maybe not consistently, but can be stronger than our need for food or shelter or self-protection. It's this thing that drives so much of what goes on in our life. And so it started out looking at infants and uh, one-year-olds and how do they, what are the behaviors they do to get connection with their parents? Then you move on and look at partners, like partners, that's the work that I do with, with couples is, all right, like you, you have this deep drive to connect with your partner and stay connected. And um, so we can understand your behavior through that lens. So uh, I was just telling Jeff before we got on, you know, you might uh, have that person that goes into the other room, right? That conflict comes up and then you run into the other room. And what you're thinking is, well, it's better for me to run away than it is to stay and for the conflict to get worse. Like maybe this is going to lose me my relationship. So I'm just going to bail and wait for the smoke to clear. And then maybe things will be okay. And of course, to the other partner, they're like, you're just leaving me. Like this doesn't show to me that you care about this relationship at all. Um, But some of the work we do is starting to understand that this drive for connection just determines so much of our behavior and relationship. So then um, I'm, you know, going through my training and, and looking at the ways that people try to get this connection. And then I'm going to church and I'm sitting there and thinking, oh, these are all, you know, we call them proximity seeking behaviors. <laughs> these are all ways that we're trying to get connection with God. And it looks different for different people. For some people, it's like, you know, I'm doing the worshiping thing um, or, you know, making sure I have quiet time every day. For some people, it's like I try to not think about God because I feel like I'm such a disappointment. And so at least 
if I can just sort of like have God in the background of my mind, um, that's less painful than the actual feeling like there's something wrong with the relationship. Um, but you can look at all these different behaviors. Um, and what really struck me, if I could just jump ahead a little bit, um, yeah, do it. Is uh, it really why I wanted to write the book is because in so much attachment research, um, the researchers have said, you know, what's amazing about religion, you know, so they're coming from a, not necessarily like from a spiritual place, but just from a, you know, scientific psychological place. And they say, well, you know, religion is great because God uh, will always be that person that you can always connect with. Um, you know, one aspect of attachment is we need a refuge in our life, that person to go to when things are rough. And so they're saying, you know, God is the ultimate attachment figure. You can just always go to God and God's going to be there. Um, and I'm reading this and I'm like, but what if you grew up in a tradition where it's like, yeah, you can get close to God, but you need to jump through all these hoops and you need to make sure to show up to church on every, you know, every Sunday and you need to make sure all your sin is confessed or, you know, X, Y, and Z. And so my kind of endeavor was like, so what happens if you have an insecure relationship with God? Um, where do we go from there? Yeah. Yeah, that was great. Well, let's go into um, those different styles then, because, uh, like what I've found, um, is that we'll just say secure attachment. So someone who is securely attached, you know, they have kind of, um, a healthy or integrated kind of desire to connect with people. And they always had that connection affirmed. They were provided for when they, when they sought proximity, you know, they found it the right. So then like these religious traditions, um, kind of the the exhortations, you know, to read, study scripture, pray, like those those kind of do work for people who are securely attached because they kind of have a hopeful worldview. Uh, they kind of have a sense of their own agency. They believe other people are, you know, somewhat good and available, right? And so that kind of works, right? So and then pastors, you know, hopefully, you know, they're not total basket gates or or whatever, right? So we'll just say uh, on the whole, like. Uh, moderately healthy, integrated, secure people like kind of find life in those practices. But what you're saying, and I think what a lot of pastors and ministers and counselors and people in the back of the pew, they're like, I'm not finding life in any of that stuff. Like I feel totally stuck. So mm -hmm. instead of doubling down and making people feel more guilty or ashamed for not doing it right, uh, I think these attachment styles, uh, being aware of different attachment styles, maybe can create a little more self-compassion. So why don't we, why don't we look at the, because uh, there's there's three kind of insecure attachment styles and they're kind of two of them are kind of on par and kind of mirrors of each other or opposites. And then one mm -hmm. is uh, a lot more kind of chronic or crisis or disorganized or whatever. Mm -hmm. So why don't we do the first two, the what you call the anxious and then the other one is called the shutdown, right? Could yeah. you, why don't you just talk about the anxious one? Yeah. And, and I guess just real quick before we go there, um, there are the, you know, researchers will say there's four attachment styles. And so there's one secure and then there's three insecure and you fall into one of those four. Um, what I find as humans is that no matter how much we live in security, we will dip into one of these insecure styles. So that's why uh, I structured the book uh, the way I did. I didn't ask, you know, are you secure or insecure? My question is like, when you feel insecure, when you go to that insecure place, you know, what are the strategies you use? So mm -hmm. that first one is, oh, 
Yeah. Well, yeah. So it's more like a, a continuum for sure. Uh huh. And then it's very, it's very context specific. And so you could be, you could act, um, you know, like a very well put together person at your job. Mm-hmm. But then the moment you get into a romantic relationship, your attachment needs spikes, mm-hmm. you know, that longing or fear of connection spikes. And then all of a sudden this other behavior comes out and you're like, I'm, you know, and everyone's like, you kind right. of seem like a different person. You're like, I know I fell in love and I turned into a monster. <laughs> right. right. Okay. So it's, yeah, it's a continuum. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a continuum and it depends on context. So, okay. Mm-hmm. So jump yeah, in. definitely. Yeah. And so that first one is anxious attachment and in human relationships, this is that person that's really clingy. Um, you know, I, I sent you a text two minutes ago. You haven't responded back. What's wrong. And, what that looks like from the outside is like, oh my gosh, this person is so needy. What's wrong with them? From the inside, what it feels like is the relationship is up to me. That connection is up to me. And so I need to monitor it all the time. I need to make sure it's okay. If there's like a little hint of like maybe something's wrong, I need to go investigate that because I can't trust that that person is going to stick around for me. I can't, I, you know, in doing research for the book, I found all these examples of uh, prominent uh, church teachings that sort of point us in that direction that say, Charles Spurgeon talking about how the Christian life is like climbing up a hill of ice and (laughs) you you have to like, uh, you know, if you stop for a moment, you're going to slide backwards, which really, um, really reinforces that anxious attachment style. It says, yeah, you're right. You do need to be worried all the time. One of the clinical terms for it is preoccupied. And I think it's a really helpful term because what that means is you're so preoccupied with that connection, you can't focus on much else, right? You're So you're sitting there and you're trying to focus on your work, but the fact that that you know, the person you care about, the person you love hasn't texted back, makes it hard to focus on anything else until I know that connection's there. Right. And it's, um, it's also kind of a pre, uh, preoccupation with the past a little bit is the past is always present. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's, it's difficult to separate this relationship from past relationships and mm-hmm. this kind of relationship bump from other past relationships. And then it just all becomes like a giant kind of avalanche right. where everything mm-hmm. just kind of floods in. What would right. be, so you mentioned like clingy, controlling and eating. What are some other ways that that, um, either you mentioned a couple of things about, um, Spurgeon and things like that. What what are what do you think or do you notice as like anxious spiritual behavior? Um, yeah, so understanding uh, that's very context specific. So like, right? Yeah, know, totally. And and a lot of it is 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 about the motivation behind it, right? So, um, you know, it it's about like, am I doing this thing because I'm worried that I if I don't do it, I'm going to lose connection with God or, you know, God's going to, going to become distant in some way. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, sometimes that rigidity, um, around like I have to do my spiritual practices, um, or else I'm going to lose connection. Um, Mm -hmm. the, the example that comes to mind for me often is, uh, I grew up evangelical kid in the eighties and nineties. Um, 
McGee and me was a focus on the family video. Oh, um, come on. I got gotcha. you. Uh, right. Yeah, love it. And uh, in the first episode, uh, the, the main character, he's 11. He lies about his neighbor. Dad comes in to have a little talk with him and says, you know, lying's bad because it hurts other people. Um, but it's, it's really bad because it's a sin and sin can cut off your relationship with God. And that's a whole theological conversation. Um, but if we're looking at this message for me as like a 10 year old, what I heard is like, you got to be perfect. You can't lie. You can't do any of these things or else you're going to lose your relationship with God. And Mm -hmm. then if we put that in context of, you know, you're not saved by works, you're saved by your relationship with Jesus, Mm -hmm. but that relationship depends on your works, right? It just doesn't work very well. But I think that's a really good example because this is coming from focus on the family who would, you know, at that time be sort of bastions of, uh, evangelical theology that says it's just about, it's really about God's grace. Um, and yet, you know, even to kids, there's this, uh, little message saying, uh, you know, you gotta be careful. You gotta watch out. You got, you know, that sort of thing. And probably a mm-hmm. lot of people listening are like, oh yeah, I, I remember, you know, getting those messages, whether it was implicit or explicit. Right. That it's your job to, um, manage your relationship with God uh, and the idea that God is seeking you or loves you or is coming after you or pursuing you or things like that um, is totally minimized. So what is the answer to this? So if anxious spirituality is feeling like the relationship is all about me, you talk about, you know, well, they need to move into this place of rest. What is that? Mm. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So um, that's where some of the spiritual practices that we have, um, that we've actually thrown out of uh, the, evangelical church for, for in some ways, some good reason. I understand like, you know, for a lot of people, it felt like these are like dead old practices that um, aren't life giving, but um, it's been really neat to rediscover some of these things that have been around for a long time. Uh, Contemplative prayer is a really good example of that where, um, you know, for me growing up, my quiet time was like, I got to make sure I learn something. I got to make sure that I uh, know the thing that I'm supposed to do this week. Um, very goal oriented and um, contemplative prayer is uh, can be a lot of different practices. That's a pretty general term, but, you know, finding ways of spirituality where it's like, I'm resting with God. This isn't about me doing something for God or, uh, you know, trying to, get to a certain goal in this relationship. This is just me being able to, to relax and rest. And, um, it's interesting. Um, there is even some research in attachment science, um, and God around, um, how there are different sort of phases of the attachment relationship. And we need to know that we are unconditionally loved and rooted in that belonging before we can, go out and do things. Um, and that makes so much sense. And if you've read Henry Nowen, um, you can see those themes all over his work. Um, but you know, it's, it's not either or, but it's like, we really need this sense of rest and to know from a secure place that my, what I do isn't me performing for God. Cause those other things are important. 
But if they, it gets confused with, you know, my belonging with God is dependent on that, then, um, then there's going to be anxiety. So how do we find ways to have a more restful spirituality, which I think is really important because if you think about Israel being brought out of Egypt and God instituting this new nation, you know, the most particular thing about that new nation was that there was a specific day for rest. So Mm -hmm. I think that is like very important to God. Um, And so if we have a spirituality that doesn't have rest as part of it, then we need to be asking some questions. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, and the tricky thing though, and this is why we have to do it in communities because for an anxious person recommending silence and solitude to them is like, the things they're weakest at and that they <laughs> hate the most. <laughs> I don't want to be by myself. <laughs> I, uh-huh. I already have, I don't want to be alone in my thoughts. <laughs> uh-huh. right. like, so, so that was one kind of like one side, mm-hmm. uh, the shutdown is a little bit kind of the opposite. So what are some of the characteristics mm-hmm. of what you call a shutdown? Uh, yeah. So uh, this, this is someone that, um, generally looks really independent. Um, they, they're like, I don't need other people. I don't have needs. I don't have emotions. Um, you know, I, I think the clearest picture of this is, um, demographically is, is white men, um, from the boomer generation. Um, because they were they were taught like it, it's just so clear to me you know working with people from that generation so clear to me that they were taught you know be a man handle it on your own be independent that was kind of the idea of what it meant to be a a male person um, mm-hmm. and so uh so when you think about that that person that's like yeah i would ra- i would rather just like work in the garage all day um than you know hang out with other people and mm-hmm you're starting to think like, all right, so how is that an attachment strategy? What does that have to do with connection? But it makes a lot of sense that if you grew up, um, say you grew up in a family where if you cried or if you express neediness or if you're worried, um, your parent was like, stop doing that, you know, and shamed you for it. Um, you know, stop crying. I'll give you something to cry about. It makes sense then that you learn if I'm going to keep my parent close and I'm going to keep connection with them and not feel rejected by them, I have to pretend like I'm okay and I have to stuff these emotions down. And so it makes sense then this is actually this person's way of keeping connection. And actually in the research, they found that um, when they would look at one-year-olds with this attachment style, because one-year-olds will show up with this attachment style. Uh, the one-year-old would kind of do this little circle around mom. They wouldn't get close, but they wouldn't get far. And they had kind of figured out what's the perfect um, distance. I don't want to get too close because mom's going to be like, what are you doing? Go play. Right. But they don't want to go too far. They want to figure out like, what's, what is that balance where I can get close, but not too close. And so um, then you bring that into the church and it's like, yeah, I, I can't share my emotions with God. And then we're given messages about that. We're, we're told if you're worried, if you're sad, that means you don't have enough faith. Um, you know, uh, it, it means that there's something wrong with your faith. I remember sitting in a, um, in a church service one time where someone said, yeah, you, you know, you can feel, grief but if your grief causes you to ask if god is not good uh then you have to stop you know actually he said you have to crucify that emotion on the cross i'm not sure what that means um 
but you know, in the church, we do worry like, well, what if, what if these emotions, you know, what if they lead us away from God? Um, which I think if you read Psalm Psalms or prophets, you're like, Oh, here are all these people that are like crying out to God and saying like, why have you abandoned us? You know, are you good? Um, but we get into this, especially in Western um, Christianity, this idea of emotions are the opposite of the truth. And if mm-hmm. I'm going to stay close to God and I'm going to believe the true thing, then I need to stuff down my emotions or I need to ignore my emotions. And, um, you know, you might even be listening to this and you're like, yeah, that sounds like a really good strategy. Uh, why is this wrong? And it's uh, it doesn't work because what we find is that true connection, um, this attachment is really born out of emotional connection. And it doesn't mean that you use a lot of like flowery words, but it's having that person in your life, you know, whether it's your partner or God, where it's like, today was a hard day, right? Being able to share that with someone who's going to be responsive, that creates a connection there that creates a safety. um, And that's what relationships are about. And so if you're going through your whole life being like, I'm fine, I'm an island, the other people in your life are going to be like, okay, well, that works for you, but I don't feel very close or connected mm-hmm. to you. So, mm-hmm. Coming from a couples therapist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And I think um, just the last couple episodes on the podcast were all about needing to be emotionally healthy and things like that. So, and I think mm-hmm. especially Western, especially white kind of Christian Western, um, the milieu is very kind of down on emotion. So uh, you kind of hinted at it a little bit, but what would it mean to shift from being shut down to being engaged? You kind of want them to like engage more. What does that mean practically? Yeah. So, um, I mean, what's great is that this Western white logic, rational, systemic approach to spirituality is not actually how the Bible is written. Um, and so, Um, you know, what's great is if you want to start dipping your toes in emotion and, um, what that looks like, um, you know, one thing is to, to engage in the narratives of scripture, you know, (laughs) maybe spend a little time, uh, away from Paul and, uh, (laughs) and read some stories because those are, you know, those are personal experiences, you know, the experiences of people. Um, I think just, just thinking about the way that Jesus taught, right. Jesus didn't say, all right, so here's my doctrine on this. Here's my doctrine on this. Um, Jesus comes and teaches and tells us stories. So, you know, what does it feel like to be a worker that showed up last and get paid the same, right? Mm -hmm. Like I think, um, some of what Jesus is doing there is 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 helping people emotionally experience. And actually, when it comes to attachment and the way our brains work, that's how we heal attachment. Um, if we want more security, um, we need things like metaphors, we need stories, we need body language, um, all the kind of non like verbal things um, that uh, bring that healing. So that's a place to start. I have some other, uh, thoughts on my book, but, um, that's part of it. So, Oh, that's, that's really great. I think, um, for, for disc, for shutdown people, um, their, their minds actually don't prioritize, uh, emotional language and nonverbal communication. And Mm -hmm. so part of that being engaged is to, um, become engaged with their own bodies and their mm-hmm. own emotions. And then like what you said is the stories. It's it's striking that we believe in a personal God 
who mm-hmm. values the whole person and that that revelation, you know, as we call it in scripture is primarily story. Uh, mm-hmm. Right. But most shutdown people are like Paul's letters. Like, you know, we got to get to the <laughs> information. Uh, right. We need to, you know, we need to, you know, s- cut away all the stories and just get at the ideas. And that's actually counterproductive to our full integrated humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And he has some other spiritual practices, but I want to get to the last one, which is kind of a shame filled attachment style, which is kind of um, uh, it's, it's, well, as far as the research <laughs> goes, it's, it's a small, it's usually a smaller portion of the, mm-hmm. um, the, the anxious or the shutdown styles are p- predominant as far as insecure. So the shame one is, is sometimes called disorganized or things like that, or fear-based. Uh-huh. Attachment Fearful. Style. Yeah. Fearful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what we see in this fearful attachment style is I am afraid to be on my own. Um, so it's different than the, than the, um, shutdown person. That's more like, I'm fine on my own. Don't worry about me. This is like, I actually feel scared and feel like I'm alone in the world and I want connection. But then there's this other part of me that knows if I get close to you, I'm going to get shamed, I'm going to get rejected, or I'm going to get hurt. And this this comes up most often with kids that have experienced abuse because uh, from their parents. So my parent is supposed to be my safe person. I have this drive for connection with them. And then at the same time, my protective instincts are saying, don't get near this person, they're going to hurt you. And that is a heartbreaking place for kids to be in, obviously. And as I was thinking through the research, even though this attachment style is not that prevalent, um, although, you know, again, we're looking at categories. I think there are a lot of people that, you know, maybe are in that anxious or shut down, but they'll recognize this part as well. And Mm -hmm. What I found is that um, this resonates with a lot of us. Well, I'll say it resonates with me, where it's like, I want to be close to God. I've been told that God is compassionate and kind, and also I don't want to go to hell. Um, I, I want this connection with God, and yet I'm worried with this holy God, if I get close, God is going to be disgusted with me. God's going to be disappointed in me. And that's really painful because I care about this relationship. So then I'm stuck in this place where it's like, I can either be alone and lonely, or I can be close and feel judged and feel bad about myself. And so this, this was actually kind of the most powerful thing for me in writing. And um, for those that are, that are psychologically minded, make sure to check out the chapter. There's not even time here to talk about, um, the, the research around kids that have been neglected and some of the uh, their experience and how that really fe- uh, shows up in similar metaphors and images to some of the stuff that we teach in church to kids. Um, so that's a whole other, it's, uh, you know, it's a bigger concept. But there is this piece of like, I want to be close to God, but God's going to be disappointed in me. I can't be holy enough to be, to get close to a holy God. So maybe my best strategy, my best attachment strategy is to just tell God, yeah, I know I'm horrible. I know I'm useless. I know I'm worthless. You know, maybe now you'll let me in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's where I feel like the attachment styles um, and this perspective kind of helps us uh, have a more nuanced approach to discipleship and spirituality, a more nuanced, uh, hopefully a, a more nuanced or at least a multiple ways of explaining the gospel. And so if you 
um, are talking to a, uh, you know, a relatively shut down person, you know, some of their characteristics of being independent and self-sufficient, actually you do need to kind of break that down and be like, actually you're not self-sufficient and you know, mm-hmm. and so you kind of have to tell them some of the, no, you aren't so that they can, <laughs> so that they can engage in the relationships again. But that message is kind of, you know, doesn't do good work for anxious people and certainly mm-hmm. doesn't do good work for shame filled people. Right. And so right. more strategies, you know, whereas for the the shutdown person just to be like, God loves you and he embraces you. It's just, they're like, who, whatever <laughs> like that, that kind of bounces off them. But that's like, that is what an anxious person needs to know. It's like, God mm-hmm. loves you and isn't going anywhere. And they're like, Oh, mm-hmm. I need to rest in that. And the shutdown person uh-huh. is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And so it yeah. kind of helps. Uh, I, I think, or I hope that it helps us kind of broaden the way we communicate the gospel. And, you know, it helps mm-hmm. us, um, all of us, whether it's our children or, um, you know, our partners or other people we're with just to kind of, you know, yeah. kind of let people be where they are rather mm-hmm. than kind of demand that they fit yeah. in this one mold. And then this is, mm-hmm. the, this is always the first step in your spiritual right. life. This is always the second step. Mm-hmm. And this is the, so, yeah. Right. I mean, I, I, yeah, I think of, uh, of you know i've sat in enough church services um and and i'm not trying to like pick on pastors i'm just saying why understanding this is so important like what you're saying jeff right i've i've sat in services where pastors are like you're not as good as you think you are and like maybe the pastor needs to hear that (laughs) but like i can guarantee that that person that like barely made it to church this morning that's in the throes of depression that hates themselves does not need to be told you're so much worse than you think you are. <laughs> like mm-hmm. they need to be told you might think that you are worthless. You might feel like you are unlovable, but actually God created you. God delights in you. God sees something in you that you can't see in yourself. Mm. Yeah. Amen. Which is also in the Bible, right? It's not like, right. it's not like yeah. we're just making up other stuff and like wishing no. the Bible said something different, right? You know, right, like yeah. the Christian tradition is wide enough and big enough to actually, mm-hmm. I think, has always developed resources and kind of perspectives around all this. Well, thanks so much for uh, jumping on. Uh, the book, again, is Attached to God by Crispin Mayfield, uh, published by Zondervan. You can find it everywhere. It just released a couple of weeks ago. Um, and it's very accessible, very readable. Um, so thanks. Yeah, for I, I definitely dipped into the like more nerdy side of things. Um, oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. No, that I my like... that my publishers were like, can we say this a different <laughs> my editor was like, how do we say this in a way that everyone's going to understand? So good, um, which good. is my hope with the book that it's yeah. going to be um, if you like this stuff, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm tracking. Um, if you're like, I have no idea what this is about. Don't worry, I will it's explained so yeah and he uses lots of stories from his own life as well as uh you know people he's worked with and things like that well thanks again uh as where can people find you online and all the socials yeah yeah i'm on twitter and instagram um crispin mayfield if you know how to spell my name you can find me um there are a lot of us out there um and uh and then my website crispinmayfield.com yeah I'm also used to saying attached to God.com, making sure, which is where you can find my book. So <laughs> there, yeah, lot, you know, pretty easy to find me on the internet. It's very, Thank you so much. Very Googleable. My name's very Googleable either. I'd like, mm-hmm. there's no other Jeff's with a G whole class. So it's pretty easy. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. Well, thanks so much. Uh, as always, you could find this podcast on iTunes. You can listen to us on Spotify. Also, please rate and review. Uh, also, uh, if you'd rather watch this, this is on YouTube under Jeffrey Holsclaw. That's my channel. So check those things out. And uh, thanks again. We'll talk sometime soon, maybe about the neurodivergence uh, spiritual mm-hmm. formation. That'd be lovely. Thanks, Excellent. Jeff.
Yeah. See you.